0: hugh hefner a true american icon created an empire that was unrivaled
1: although some of his bunnies may have gone rogue it's because of the love and respect that we received from the man behind it all the rogue bunnies mission is simple 100 playmates taking control of their valuable ip while honoring Hef's iconic Playboy style and bringing that experience to our collectors. Like only we know how. Because after all, we did learn from the best. Relive the stories from the most prominent celebrity home in history. From those of us that lived it, the employees that worked it, and the guests who loved it. And the The mayhem continues. Rogue
0: Bunny's mayhem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I love saying that. I can't say that enough. That is so much fun.
1: I was you know, sideways eyes you know, at you.
0: It's, it's, it's a blast. I mean, look what we're doing here today.
1: With us tonight, we have Scott Page. Dude. Hey. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is absolutely a bucket list moment for me. For the listeners who don't know, Scott Page, mm. genius saxophonist. Is that the word? Saxophone. You're too kind, my friend. <laughs> Dude, Pink Floyd, Supertramp, Toto, and okay. So we we
0: also brought Megan on the show because yes. one, I can't be on a couch with three dudes. It's just gonna happen. Not gonna happen. And the <laughs> sexiest like, like- woman here in this club, just rocking out to you. Well, she, seriously, Scott, she definitely she was making rock- me out. Thank you. So Scott, this so, was the most amazing event. It was I a fun I can't night, thank man. you enough to let us be part of this. Well. Um, <laughs> no, to, be, to be truthful so, I'm,
2: I'm actually blown away with what you just said thank you so much man that was like a that's for me is probably that's the most important thing right because you know what's so interesting is the only thing that's real is us talking right now yeah. two minutes ago is an illusion two minutes from now is an yep. illusion so just to share this moment right now and for you to say that to me right this moment I mean that's a big deal brother I mean I, I really <laughs> you made my night by just saying that because well, it's, it's like you know this was a great night you know we we've got this is like we're building right now so this is we're building the communities in this space and i love victoria cuz she's just yeah like, cuz i wanted to ask that earth. how did that all
0: start well so, you like know, you say you're building on this so <laughs> actually
2: let me let me tell you how this all went out so we're so we're clear right yep yep, yep. so anyway i've been very vocal in the NFT space. Yes. We just put on conference in Denver called Future Shape 360. I did four days at South by Southwest. We did, uh, we did the NFT LA, we handled both the two nights. We did our Floyd show and then I produced a night with uh, uh, Steve Aoki. Uh, oh, and so wow. we've been doing, uh, been in this space. And so we've been doing all these telegrams and all this stuff. And so I've been, the whole thing is building audience. So tonight was started because it's around the syndicate that token so myself along with dylan berry and uh our buddy over at uh green rabbit we decided to build the coin and so we whole thing is we're building bringing all these different audiences together bring them under the the nft that token so i met during nft new york i met victoria that night as uh we were putting on an event in new york during uh nft new york so gotcha. we had a night in Soho, so we took this building, we oh took God. it all over. It was a five location art walk, NFT art walk thing, and we had wow. the whole thing, it was crazy. And, and so they came to there, and that's where I met Victoria, and I liked her so much because she's a real good businesswoman, she's like, she's solid, right? Oh, she's yeah. like a solid. Yeah. And so we started talking, I saw the Rogue Bunnies thing, I went and started following him, because to be honest, I'm looking, I'm building community, right? I'm a business, like I'm, a bus- no. I'm a business guy, I like doing yeah. business, but I love people, I love being in the game, and I just love the fact that the, the energy in this community of all the NFT space is it's it's like nothing can imagine. Because right now, if you look at the world, it's falling apart around us. Right now, the world's falling apart. But we yes. we are yes. we're in a growth it's space, we're sense. in a place to make sense. And I just love the concept of NFTs. I mean you can build business models on them. And, rights, roles, and permissions and things that you can do with them so you can build story and they're great loyalty programs and tokens, but they're about building community. They allow to build the community and people get to own a piece of that community. And so there's so much because we can lift all boats, right? Because NFTs represent freedom. They represent freedom to the people. I mean, at this highest level, I don't care what business you're in, what it is, everything will be NFT. It's a thing of freedom. It allows us to take back the power of the currency. Like we've never had before. This is the, we're at a very incredible time. And these are the pioneers. Mm-hmm. These are the people. We're trying to bring people in. Come on in, the water's fine. Ah, you, you want, go you yes. want to go make somebody? Seriously
0: will be written F- in the history books. What's yeah. going on right oh, now? No, no, this is such is a big, big deal. The future. Yeah, it's a fi-
1: big deal. Fiat currency has been the standard for oh. hundreds of years. And it's that's crashing done. right now. It's it's done. On it. Yep, it's it is done. Yep, it is crashing and burning. F-
2: fiat currency is done. It is completely done, and they're crashing. They want it to be done. This is, we're at a very touchy point. You got the central banks, yep. they have a system, they got their CBCC, the central bank digital currency, whatever that yep, is, CBDC, yep, right? Yep, yep. And they want us to get on that. We do not want to get on that. We no. do at all costs. We do not want to be on a centralized blockchain. Thank you. That is the worst thing that could ever happen to human humanity. It will destroy humanity because it puts the power yep. in a couple guys' hands to say, what did you say? I think, you know that 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 thing you were going after? Sorry, declined. We're going to take a quick break. I, I want
0: to I wanna get yeah. back into this.
1: I want to get back into this. Let's the, take a quick break. The big takeaway before we go into okay. the break is that Scott did a whole lot of work, but we get to cash in on all the fun tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So anyway, we brought the Rogue Bunnies, we brought all this stuff together. Tonight was a monstrous night, and we pulled it off. Good job. All right, so let's let's
0: take a quick break. We're going to be right back. You are listening to Rogue Bunnies Mayhem. Hi, I'm Victoria Fuller, Miss January 1996. My bunny sisters and I have joined forces, or should I say, have gone rogue, to revamp the heydays while forging forward into the future. Yes. I'm talking about the metaverse. So come join me and our sorority of the sexiest ladies on the planet. I promise you won't be disappointed. To join the party, find us at roguebunnies.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-B-U-N-N-I-E-S dot com. Get in the game. Build your collection. Go to roguebunnies.com. You'll find us there.
1: Welcome to
2: the metaverse.
0: Scott, you you just took me on a whole like little bunny trail road down a rabbit hole that is like, I'm going to go on a different plane right now. And when I talked to Victoria about trying to put this party together, she had said, look, I've hooked up with Scott Page. And when you meet this guy, he is more than uh, anything you can imagine. Uh. And you have proven that. But we also come from a world of fun, Absolutely. Uh, Boy, I we, we're love. all part of a company. It ain't easy having this yeah, much no, fun. We're right? all part of a company where uh, a lot of girls were called playmates. And uh, we used to get to throw a lot of great big parties over yep. to Big huge, Giant House. Yep. And I'm always curious from everyone's different point of views. Because we've had different playmates on. We've had different persons that we've talked to that were part of that world. And asking them, because it's a segment I called uh, Homage to Half if you were to speak to Hugh Hefner, was there any impact at all in your own life? And I don't think there's a single person in this entire world that says that they didn't have any. I'm just curious for yourself. You know, obviously it was a very interesting, at the time,
2: I mean, listen, you, we could go down that rabbit hole too. And I don't <laughs> I, I down now's the time, but you know, obviously music, being in the music business, we knew a lot about that, that, that space. You know, it was definitely, it was a... A brand that blew up in a really interesting way it was you know what was interesting is was it was able to take something that was always sort of taboo and kind of make it more amenable right in a way that people could understand it and back in the day um actually my girlfriend was uh cindy wood and she was playmate of the year in 1974. oh nice right so I had, I knew some. of, I was around the culture at somewhat at that time. Did you ever do the?
0: Did you ever do the parties back in the day? Oh yeah, definitely went to the oh.
2: mansion you know, a handful of times, and um, you know stayed in the, hung out in the grotto. Remember <laughs> the red room and the blue room, or the red room, the whatever it was. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. the band okay. room, the yes. arcade. Yes. Yep, yep, yes. yep. So bad. I was around those days, and it was very interesting. It was you know very glamorous at the time, right? Yep. And the music business was pretty much in that,
0: you know. Was getting invited to a lot of those things, and so yeah, it was when there had to have been a sense for yourself, like, wow, look at me. I, there's a thing about making it right, and you get the records, and you get the money, and all yeah. that. But I think there's a certain status of where you get to go into certain places that not everybody can walk into. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, know, and here you are yeah, on the famous welcomed. grounds. Yeah, yeah, where everyone's thinking, oh wow, I can't wait to meet so and so here or so and so there. You realize when you walk out, they're like oh my gosh that's Scott Page uh, well you know let me just say this I guarantee you you will not find a
2: more grateful thankful human in the planet you just met him right now <laughs> I'm very thankful
0: <laughs> for all <laughs> of
2: that was alright so I'm no problem no I'm very thankful I mean you know I'm,
0: you, you got know, everyone I got, all had, cheered had, up you got I, someone coming into the studio won, I, turning I, lights dude, off <laughs> I won the lottery man I had
2: the, I had the best parents Wow. My parents were just unbelievable, right? So I was in a family that was totally loved, and, and 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 my dad was a serial entrepreneur, and you know he played on a show called the Lawrence Welk Show, which was uh, ah. right. I was in, so I was a, yeah. I was around you're, during you're early. You're me back to my grandparents. I was all yeah. <laughs> the night. I was all around early television, so it was all that kind of stuff, and so I grew up in a. Thing. And my dad, we had boat businesses, lighting businesses, candy businesses, he was one of the actual uh, inventors of the wah-wah pedal, the famous guitar pedal, and Sound City, the recording studio wow. I grew up, because that was, was called Fox Sound Lab. That was yep. my dad, he started all that, the first wow. amplified instruments and all really? that stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, I, the whole thing, I lived it, I was at Sound City all the way, you know, for many years. And uh, yeah, so I have, I've just been very lucky to have had parents that my dad instilled a business thing in me right because he was serious and and I loved music and you know I got I was I studied to be in draftsman so I was a draftsman all the way through yeah, up up until high school and then I got in a band and then in college I switched over to being a, a full-time musician wow. because I got in a band with the guys Jeff Beck, and David Page when mm-hmm. we were kids called Merciful Soul Band and uh, those guys became Toto later it was that thing so we yeah. were I was the early predecessor to that and that got me really excited about music business because it was funny, I was sitting in a company, working for a company called Audiodyne, drawing and drafting, and that was when you had to, you had to use a, a ruler, uh-huh. real, real, real shit, man. Triangles and straight edges, and you had to know how to twirl the pen and with them, get the. you had to constantly get the pen pencil right, you know, so. And I would dry exploded views. That was my thing. The motor was kill all the parts out, right? And, and I had that down pretty good. I was pretty good at that. Uh, and I drink tons of coffee all day. And then I get in this band with all these guys, and we're, it, we're it's a kick ass kid band. I'm the worst guy in the band, worst, right? So we were um, playing all these th- bands with this band. In the band, we were winning all the battle of the bands. We were like on fire. This yeah. band was like smoking. And I realized the front row was filled with girls. <laughs> I said, you know what? I think yes. I'm going to be a musician. <laughs> I'll let somebody uh, else. And that's me why everybody movie. gets into a van. Yeah. So what I did in college, I just said, okay, I'm done. I'm going to just take. I'm going to figure out how. To, but how do I make a living? And because I was a good with a straight edge and stuff, I learned a music copy, because that was a business oh, you could do. That makes sense. So yep. in other words, you know, when a composer would write something, and I worked for a guy named H. B. Barnum. He was a very famous, uh, you know, arranger and composer and. Films and all that kind of stuff, and so he would call me up at midnight. and say, "Dude, I gotta get. I got a session at ten. I got this chart, and he'd hand me the freaking chart. And I'd go to his place, and, you know, and I'd get this chart and come back, and I'd sit up all night and I'd copy the first trumpet part, the second trumpet part, and write also, and put like no sleep, and end up at the session at 10 a.m. to hand over the stuff. But I did that, and I made so I figured how to take my art to make money. Why? Because I couldn't play good. I sucked, and I was a trumpet player. I didn't even play saxophone, so I was a trumpet player at that time, and then, um, yeah. So then uh, the
1: evolution. I
2: know it was evolution. Yeah. yeah. And then I just ate, drink, sleep, music, 24/7. Man, I studied with all the best teachers, and I went home every night after gigs. I every gig I would go to, I would I worked because that was you know you could you could work five to seven days a week playing gigs and make enough to make your nut,
1: mm-hmm. right? So there yeah. was
2: work. Now it's so different. The whole thing has changed around so much. You can't,
1: yeah, the economics it's pay thing.
2: to play, and you know, you gotta, the economics are just not there. You know, we, it was $50 to $100 to play a club again then, and it's still $50 to $100 now, right? It's like stupid.
0: Yeah. It's like,
2: what, how did that work? Yeah, so anyway, I just flipped into that and just went hard, hard, hardcore for a long time. And then I got finally got good enough to get a couple gigs. I got a big gig with uh, Seals and Crofts. Remember those guys? Oh yeah. And in in, um, went on toured, Got a chance to tour the world, and that was the first sort of inkling of this rock stardom thing. A little bit of that, and from there it went. You know, got then got the Supertramp, and played with a whole bunch of different people. And then uh, and then um, I got finally I got the call to go play with Toto again. And at, the funny part was Jeff Bacaro. When we were kids, we played in this band. I remember pulling the seats out. I had this old 57 Porsche, and we pull the seats out of it, and we pour those drums in, and we get in the car, and we go f- drive dry places to play casuals, right? And we play, those were like parties on the beach, a wedding, or something like that. And uh, I, all I remember, and he took off. He started me be doing Sonny and Cher's show, and then he went to Steely Dan record. And he became one of the world great drummers. And in the back of my mind, I was, I was sucked, man. You know, I was like this rotten trumpet player, right? But I always wanted to be there. So it was like that thing in me that I said, I think only, and then the day I got called to play with the band, it was like, oh my God. It was like, oh, I got good enough to get the gig. Yeah. yeah moment but I was scared to death I was like yeah I got the gig and then I was like oh my god I got to go in there and I got to play with these guys right because they're like legendary players or as good as it gets right and Jeff being my guru and stuff and so I remember this is a funny story so, I mean, I, I practiced that music, I learned that music, man, I spent hours and hours every day over it, over it, over it, over again, because I wanted to make sure when I, I had that shit down when I go into rehearsal. Like, I mean, I was a fanatic about, like, I didn't care how many times I learned, I just wanted to make sure I didn't screw up, because I wanted to go in strong. So I go in there, I got my rig all set up, we're at the first rehearsal, and the first thing Jeff does, he hands me a cowbell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well because drum. we all need more
2: cowbell. That's right.
1: Cowbell. And we start we
2: played a tune. And he says, okay, play you play this. And I'm like, okay. Right. And I'm starting to play this thing and we get done. Afterwards he comes over to me and he was so happy because the groove is everything to him. If you don't if you don't have a groove. Now I ain't drink sleep. I lived with metronomes and I had one of the first five Lin drum machines. I was a fanatic about the time because time is uh-huh. everything about time. It's if your time is better, you play better golf, you swing a better club, you think you're much better in the sack. Right? I mean, there's all <laughs> kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that happen, right? Because is that all true, this, Megan? This, this is it this all this about thing, timing? Right? Oh, so time and timing, rhythm, timing, rhythm, time all <laughs> that stuff, right? So I studied that very heavily because I'm, that's me too. I'm a nut for that. I'm like the I'm the drummer's asshole. Like I'm the if it's not swinging right, it's like it's there. So when we played with Toto, so I remember on that gig, people asked me, what was the best thing about playing with Toto? I said, I got to play Calibre with on four songs with Jeff Beccaro. And they didn't <laughs> understand that. It's because I swear, man, he'd be sitting there and his, his, this guy's legendary time, right? The feel. Yep. And when you really start getting into time, you don't hit something. You feel it sink into the metal. In the, and it's... You feel the part that doesn't hit. It's called the lope. There's a dead air before it snaps, right? And you feel that dead air just in the silence. And there's just something about the way it's done. So he would sit there and we'd play, and I, I would, every night that was my favorite thing because I get my cowbell, and he's there and I was up on my riser, and we just lock eyes, right? And he would tch, tch, bap, tch, tch and we would just sink where the, the sound it was like one thing together it was better than sex man wow. i'm telling you because how we, dare you I'm just no seriously, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, seriously.
1: No, I'm convinced i'm convinced <laughs> you know what? better
0: we than mesmerized right now. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: yeah i think i came like 2 minutes
2: ago <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but you know that's what it is it's that It's like you connect at that point at the source and that's where the language really happens, right? And that's why records from the past still stand the test of time, the ones that happen. And right now we've got the machines, we're victims of overchoice. that's my whole thing. It's like they fix everything, they do stuff. Now there's some really good music and stuff, but there's a soul that's missing in a very interesting way and I actually recognized it this year for the first time during the two nights we did at NFTLA. So it's very interesting. We did the, our first night, we did our Think Floyd show, and it was all the NFT people, and, and we had, I mean every one of the um, domes had different sponsors and they were all set up. It was like incredible. Right, right. Outside the domes were all projected by all the men. It was like this crazy thing. And we went and did our Floyd show and stuff. And that night was extraordinary in the energy level that you could feel in the space. The next night, we did Steve Aoki. And I'm not saying anything's bad about Steve Aoki. I think he's an incredible guy. But what happened was, you felt... It was the first time I was actually... Because nothing changed. The venue, the lighting, the sponsors, everything happened. The only thing changed was this, the music the, because of that. And I went, wow. There's a interesting thing that's going on in music that makes people move, yep. like they go right. dun, dun, but it's almost like it's trance, like in a way but it's not that soulful you know, yep. connecting with the source and that's what makes like Floyd records, Stone records, Beatles records, all these records they stand the, they, they stand the test Agreed. of time, right? Yep. Agreed. And it's, that's what it is, it's that interaction because when we used to make records, you know we'd go in, in the studio and everybody, well, I like it and the drummer's playing and we're all there and we got headphones on and we're we're gonna rock, right? And we'll you'll cut like three times in a row, right? We'll cut the tracks three times in a row and we'll go in and say, okay, let's listen to those. You listen to the first track and go, yeah, okay. And then you listen to the second and go, whoa, that track had, everybody lifted because what happened was, is while we were playing, we kind of all locked into a, a zone where it was like, you weren't thinking of anything else. You were just playing, right? Just vibing, just censoring. And that's really what meditation is right? Meditation is, is, right? meditation is exactly, meditation is about stopping thought every meditation points to the exact same pointer to a space where there's no mind and they always talk about the it's awareness right but the puzzle that we have to go through is how do i know i'm aware that i'm aware once you figure <laughs> that one out that's the holy grail so that's yes. the first thing to solve how do i know i'm aware that i'm not aware because i had spent i spent i had spent 2 years and i read a book called the power of now 60 times in a row I read that book 60 times in a row and I listened to it in my car for 2 years. And every time I got in my car I would pray for traffic because I was in my shrine and I would say, "Oh, all oh good. We got it's a 90 minute ride home. Me and that car, man, for 90 minutes, man." And I would just like I meditate with my eyes open, like I'm meditating right now in a sense because my it's about being present in the space, right? And being here with you. And I can see I'm here with you right now, like really well, right? We're all, this is it. This is the only thing that's real, right? That, that book. And now here was the funny story. So it was like April 9th at 10 12, 2011. I wake up. First of all, I was feeling pretty spiritually good. Life was good. I was happy, you know, meditating every day. All this stuff was going on. I thought I had this figured out. 60 times the book, I thought I understood it. So the 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 thing is the minute you understand it you've missed it. That's a pointer. The minute you th- you say to yourself, "Oh, I understand that." You missed it. Cuz you cannot understand it. You can only know it. And that's the that's the that's the piece that you're trying all you spend all day long like, "Oh, dude, how do I find that space? How do I do that that's, right?" that's and that the becau- loop. And that, that's the loop. It's in that space. And so by taking why I think I was susceptible to this is because I took it, my career was all about going very very deep on something small, as opposed to learning a lot of wide things. So right, I would take right. like, I remember this guy was working when I finally got into saxophone, I actually this guy named Jerry Jumanville, who was a great saxophone, I was doing a record date playing trumpet with him for, it was a Bonnie and Delaney album, or Delaney and Bonnie album, it was Delaney and Bonnie. All right. And after the session, we hit it off, and I went to his house, and I sat in his chair, I was the trumpet player, he was the saxophone and I just sat in his chair, and that guy sat there and he played four hours of saxophone to me. I didn't I didn't believe it. He played every fathead, Newman, Lachaud, Davis, Ben Webster, Ike Quebec, you know, all these solos over and over. And I went, whoa, I gotta play the saxophone. I went out and bought a saxophone the next day and I went and spent the next six months with him. And what we would do is, and I didn't know how to play the saxophone, so I just, he showed me and then I just practiced and we would just take things, but I, because I had already had the musical sense and had a thing, it was really just learning to adapt to the thing, so I had a basic thing, and we would sit there and we would take a four-bar phrase, whatever it was, the phrase like of a Hank Crawford solo, and we would play that solo over that four bars over and over and over again for hours. Same <laughs> phrase, for hours. It's almost trance-like till the point where it sounded every note that I played. Inflection would be exactly the same as his note and his inflection. Right? Like really exact. Because as you become more, you, you focus so hard on trying to hear that nuance that you, the nuance gets deeper because you're becoming so attuned to it. And then you're just doing everything you can to just try to slide that thing. It's just so, so perfect, right? And so it becomes this thing. So that practice, I think, of that was a very meditation. It was a form of appointed meditation. Right? It was exactly what it was. So now I equate that back when I meditated. You know, that was what was the thing that got me going. So that to me was, I learned more by taking those four bars in so many things, the phrasing, the mm-hmm. timing, the things, and the feeling behind it. What did it feel like to, I almost felt like him. By, I, my soul almost changed over to his because I got to feel what it like to play like him. And he was one of my heroes, right? So it was like, whoa, that was a trip. So th- that pointed thing, and I really tell people that I think that's a really important thing to do in general is is to think about taking something and going small with it and just but taking going down deeper and deeper because what you'll find just like the reading the book 60 times every time i read it it was different right and it's always different yep. it's always different you just that's a it's an approach and i think it's um, it can work for certain people really well and so, so you can really learn a specific thing right yeah.
0: scott thank you that was crazy. <laughs> we went down a rabbit I hole. I think we just went down Ow. a huge freaking rabbit
1: hole. Let's bring it back to. Of oh course. yeah, we're
0: we're building a team, man. We're building
2: yes. right now. Yeah. So we're you know the, your rogue community. We're building with my think community and our Rock Money community and Betanoise and our Future Shape three hundred and sixty Peak folks. The Syndicate Token is gonna kind of kind of ride over the top and be its little thing, I'm hoping, and that's the kind of the goal.
1: If I wanted to go online to learn more about the Syndicate token, what would I do?
2: Um, I think it's it's t 3 syndicateio And so there's some stuff there, and um, there's actually an entire white paper and everything about that, but that's not online yet. We're just getting kind of rolling. Tonight was a night to get people up and getting certain people on boarded and just start getting the conversation going, and then we're going to get everybody... Moving them along in new ways to think about new things.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well uh, and on save of humanity.
0: <laughs> right? Um, save freaking humanity. On behalf at least of least for a while. <laughs> How, How does you know? everybody follow you on social media?
2: Everything is I A M Scott Page. So at Instagram, I A M Scott Page. And you'll find me. Follow me, I talk to people so you can VM me and I'm like and I'll Megan, try to do it. Sometimes I'm a little Megan? slow, but you know, I like, I do. Mm-hmm. I jump back in and say, yo. And we talk and sometimes i mean I've incredible relationships I built.
1: We hope you'll come back on the show, too. Oh, yeah, definitely.
2: Oh yeah, Megan, definitely.
0: Megan, how does everybody follow you? Uh,
1: my page is Megan Louise 217 And uh, what I took... I love took... that
0: Scott's putting in his phone <laughs> right now. <laughs> he is right now following me.
1: What, what I took away from this was, you know, I've been to church. I've been to spiritual retreats. And I think that just sitting down and listening to another human being speak about what they're passionate about really tells you why we're here and what we're meant to do and you know the connections that we can really feel i could have went to a sunday service but i got more out of this conversation than i could have gotten there and i i really just appreciate everything that you had to say and it it, it touched my heart so i'm so happy i thank you
2: well here's the deal all of us our only job on this entire planet is to help consciousness unfold that's it there's no, no, job, all this other stuff is great, it's all fun and play, but at the end of the day, that's your job, that's it. And so how is it going to unfold, right? What is? It? What side are you going to fall on, the dark side or the light side? I'm a light side guy, period. <laughs> that's side. where I'm at, right? <laughs> I understand the dark side, and there's a value, because you can't see the light unless you see the dark, right? It's, there's, it's all one thing, right? So, but... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's, we go down that rabbit hole for a while, too. <laughs> all this stuff its my it.
1: favorite but, subject, right? So. But the sun is coming up on Sunset Boulevard. Yes. So we've got, we've got to wrap this up. Yep. Scott, once again, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm Scott Ramsey. You are. I'm Brian O'Lea. You're Mr. Mayhem. And the Mayhem continues.
0: Hey, Mayhem Familia. Don't forget to click, like, and subscribe.
1: And tell all your friends. Also, visit us at rbmayhemshow.com. That's rbmayhem, mayhem Mayhem spelled M A Y H E M, show.com.
0: And I want to give a special thanks to Dapper Labs, Flow, Gig Labs, and also FlowScore. And the Mayhem Continues!